Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Now, like you, maybe, growing up, I played all kinds of sports. I mean, that's just what we did in our family. I played football. I played basketball. I played baseball. I even tried out for soccer. I even joined the wrestling team. I mean, I just did it all as a kid. I just did it all as a kid. Whatever it is, I even tried to play. Now, even in junior high, I decided to go out for the track team. That's just what we did. We just all, we we sort of did that. Well, in my mind, I went back to my football days, my football days. And I was on the football team. And I remember the coach asked me, pulls me aside. He goes, hey, listen, we need a a kickoff returner. What's what's a kickoff returner? This is good. He says, well, here's what they're going to do. They're going to kick the ball to you, and you need to run it back and score us a touchdown. I can do that, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking, that's going to be great, because when I score a touchdown, the crowd's going to go wild. The girls are going to like me. This is good. This is good. This is good. Okay, coach, I'm, I'm ready. I'm in. Okay, so you and another guy are going to be that. Now, it may not be kicked to you, but if it does, you know what to do. I'm like, okay, okay. So he tells me, you receive the kick from the other team. Now, Ben, what's your goal? My goal is to run it back to the other side. I got this. I got this going to be it's pretty simple. Pretty simple. And it was all good. I was excited until the coach pulled me aside. Now, you know that if you catch this ball, you will have 11 men from the other team that will run towards you and want to kill you. Whoa, 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 time out. (laughs) Why, what? He says, yeah, yeah, no, no, their job, the 11 men lined up want to kill you if you catch the ball. And so I'm sitting there going, kick it to him, kick it to him. But then again, I thought, well, here I am. I think I can, I think I can run pretty fast. I, I, here we go. Here we go. Are you sure? And so he goes, now, their goal, I know your goal. Yes, sir. Their goal is to make sure that you don't even try to ever run the ball again. Got it? I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> wait. That, I don't understand the words that are coming out. I mean, I get, okay. So, so long story short, there's the game time. And so I've run out in the field, right? And I'm thinking, okay, all right. Challenge accepted. So I sit out there, I look at my partner, and, and lo and behold, the ball comes to me. I see it, and I'm like, oh, Lord. And so, boom, first is to catch it. So I catch it, and I realize... 11 men are coming after me, and they want to kill me. So I take off, and I go running, and I realized I'm not very fast. You you know that feeling? Next thing I know, I mean, there were several overweight kids. I'm telling you, there were overweight kids. And they reminded me that I was not the fastest runner in the field. And I got knocked out, out of bounds, everything else. And I remember the moral of the story. I remember walking out going, you know what the moral of the story is? Run fast. You go, no, that's not the moral of the story. No, it's not the moral of the story. Let me give you the real moral of the story. So I run the ball. I catch it. I remember running just a few steps, and boom, I got plowed out into the sidelines. I remember walking off hurt going, oh, that hurt, that hurt. I'm never going to do that again. And I never ran the ball again. Well, Ben, what's the moral of the story? Well, the moral of the story is that you and I, as disciples of Jesus, are going to face brutal opposition. Hey, welcome to church. You go, what do you mean? Guys, we're being sent out like sheep among wolves. That's what he says. I love that the Bible is so transparent and that we don't, there's no hidden message like, like we can't go to God going, I didn't know. I said yes to Jesus in the, no, he tells us. 
And he says, listen, I am going to send you out. Now, here's the thing. Last week, we covered the cost of discipleship. We, have to, we realized, okay, there is a cost to it. There is something that has to happen, and we realize there is a cost. And what Jesus does, and here's what we learn, he sends out his disciples to start sharing the good news of the kingdom. And we glean some wonderful application in those first 15 verses. We grab that. And in chapters, or chapter 10, 1 through 15, we learn of the price that we have to pay as disciples of the Lord. Do you understand that? It was Diedrich Bonhoeffer who said that the Lord bids a man to come so that he may die. Now, I understand that it's like, okay, how many of you want to get saved? I do. Okay, come and die. He's not going to kill us. You understand. Now, sometimes that happens. But there has to be death to a lot of things, particularly me. I have to die. But he says, the cost of discipleship is death, is death. Well, Ben, Ben, in the text, you said that Jesus sent out the 12. Yeah, in our text, in context, he's going to send out the 12 to change the world. But really, by way of application, that's what he's doing with us today. Guys, it's when we get so comfortable in our American lives that we forget that we need to share the gospel. And we share the gospel many ways. We were able to speak the gospel. We were able to share the good news with somebody. But it's the way we live. It's the convictions we have in our heart. It's the way we treat other people. It's the way we ask for forgiveness when we do something wrong. And we don't walk in pride going, well, no, that, that, that was just blah, blah, blah. It's really where we come with a humble heart that people see the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that shouldn't be. That's the whole world. The whole world is prideful going, my way or no way. And we come and we go, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? What? You see, Jesus tells us, guys, through his word, that we not need to have worldly sorrow. That we're just sorry. He says, but I'm asking you to have godly sorrow and, and repent. And repent. And so we see, we've learned amazing things. But what we really had to grasp is the cost. The cost of following Jesus. What's it going to cost you? What's it going to cost you? Now, think about this. There are a lot of people who go, well, I got saved, and um, I did really well financially, so uh, I'm not going to go out anywhere. I'm not going to do anything, but you know what? I'll just, I'll help. And they give a lot of money, and they feel like that's the cost. That's not what Jesus asks us for. Although money is a good resource for us to get the gospel out. Can I get an amen? Because some of you are thinking, "Mm, well, see, that's why I'm going to keep my money. That's it, see? He wants us. He wants your heart. And when he gets your heart, a natural byproduct of that is you'll give your money. He says, my heart. What am I going to do with it? Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Church, we are on 60 radio stations across the United States. Every word that's spoken from this pulpit is going out across the United States. It has to be the gospel. We have to offer hope. But it didn't happen by itself. It's through your faithfulness of being here and giving. We got our first call from Florida the other day. Hey, who's this, who's this Ben Martinez guy in Lubbock, Texas? I want to hear more. Wow. That's the cost. Now, last week, we talked about the cost, the cost of following Jesus. Now, let's take a look, guys, just real quick at one verse. And this will help us today as we're called to go out among the wolves of the world. Look at verse 1 real quick. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him. Now, picture the scene. Jesus is going to call us all together. He says, and he gave them, what's that word? Power. Everybody say power. 
over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Now, what you need to know and what you really need, I'm going to reiterate this again. The word here is, the word for power is exousia, exousia. Okay, very interesting word. Why? If you were to look over at Acts, right, it says, and, and he gave them power. That word is not exousia. It's, it's where we get our word dynamite. Okay? And it's, it's that dynamite explosion. It's, there it is. That's the power. And, and, and picture the scene. So you're out, you're out ministering to somebody, and all of a sudden when you feel the power of the Holy Spirit, you're quoting scriptures. It's a dynamite power. You understand that? Okay, they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. That's we've experienced that dynamite power. This is a different word. This is a different word. Jesus didn't say, "Hey, listen, I'm going to send you out, and you're going to have dynamite power." But then, no, no, it's excusia, excusia, and what it means is authority. It means jurisdiction. It means liberty or freedom, and it means strength. What Jesus is saying to you as a disciple is that you're going to walk in exousia. It's not just going to come on you and then leave. You're going to have this. You're going to have jurisdiction. You're going to have the freedom. And you're going to have strength. The task must be hard. The task must be difficult. Because he says, you're going to have my Strength. He gave them exousia, power, to heal all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of diseases, to cast out demons. They walked in that till the day they died. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's the same thing he tells us. That's the same power he gives you. That's the same thing he does. When we choose, say, Lord, I'm going to be your disciple. He says, okay, here's some exousia power. Let's go. Let's go. Now, it's not the power where we walk like this. I've got exousia power. We just walk. We just do what we do. And it's that power that comes up. I have authority. We're all disciples. So the beauty of this, it's not like somebody's sick in the hospital. Call the pastor. Why would they call the pastor? You guys have all the gifts. They would call you. So you could go pray. What should I pray? Pray for healing. You have exousia power. Pray for healing. Here's where we lose it. Here's where we lose it, church. Listen. Here's where we get discouraged. Because we'll go and we'll say, okay, somebody's dying. I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to pray. And they don't get better. I tend to go, maybe I don't have this power. Maybe I don't, I don't know. I'll never forget, guys, when I was asked to pray for an eight-year-old boy with brain cancer. I'll never forget. And I really wanted to just walk in there, and I wanted to have this ex- the excusia power, and I wanted to say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk and be done. And, and when he went to the doctor the next day, the cancer would be gone, and it would be amazing. To God be the glory. But that's not what happened. What happened is that he fought it for two years and then eventually died. And what do I do? Oh, hell, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe God doesn't heal anymore. Maybe he doesn't heal like this. Maybe I don't know what to do. And, 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 but he says, no, 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 no. In reality, what I need to do is I need to be reminded that I still have this authority and power. What I need to do is find where God is, walk in the will of God, and exercise that power. That's what I need to do. You go, well, Ben, 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 Ben. The little boy died. And I say, amen to the sovereignty of God. Because I don't know. All I can do is what God has called me to do. And if I'm walking in his will, and you're walking in his will, then think about this. You have that exousia power when you need it. You have that authority. You have his strength. You have jurisdiction. Number one, you don't have to be afraid of anything. You don't have to be afraid of anything. Is it, you, guys, you guys tracking with me? The best thing, the best illustration 
I can think of is, was yesterday. You know how God does amazing things. So I'm, I'm up at the church, and I've got my seven-year-old granddaughter who's joined at the hip with me. You understand that, okay? But she doesn't like mice, and she thinks that there's a little church mouse in here sometimes. Okay? And really, every now and then, there is. They come in, and, and they're around. So I said, okay. I said, Hita, I'm going to walk to the back here, and you can sit here. And, or she goes, no, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you. So as, I mean, she's right here holding my arm, walking, 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 walking. Whenever I turn around, she's right here, and then she's on this side. And I'm thinking, and, and, and she's looking. But do you realize that the power she has isn't even in her? Rosa, what power does she have? Grandpa's here! And if I just stay close to him, then I've got that same power. Because he's not going to let anything happen to me. He's not going to let anything happen to me. What's the worst case scenario? If we saw something, she'd be up in my arms anyway, right? Isn't that a beautiful picture of God? If you and I would just stay so close to God, God says, hey, I'm going to go over here. Okay, I'm going with you, God. And if we see something that frightens us, we just jump in God's arm and go, and he's going, I got you. I got you. Don't worry. But Lord, I saw a mouse. He goes, don't worry. The mouse is more afraid of you. Wait a minute. So in our lives, when it comes to demons, unclean spirits, woo, this is good. They're more afraid of us than we are of them. Why? Because we have exousia power. We have the power of God. What's the key? What's the key? You're walking close with Jesus. You're right here. You're right here. Oh, wow. Wow. So Jesus, what does he do? My precious Jesus sends out the 12. And what we learn from history, now here's what you need to jot down, is that they were persecuted. But for the most part, they lived a very good, prosperous ministry. You need to understand that. Because sometimes we read this and we go, all right, Pastor Self, you're going to be a disciple? Yes, sir, I'm in. And then poof, everything falls down and breaks loose. That's not what happened. He had a, they had a good, pro- prosperous ministry. But they were persecuted. Okay? What we need to understand is if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you go, I'm going to be persecuted. That's just part of it. Okay? I'm going, there, there's going to be opposition. You're going to catch the ball and you're going to have 11 men try to kill you. But for the most part, you might gain some yards. You might even make it to the touchdown once or twice. Why? You get some key blocks. You know, some open field. The Bible mentions only two apostles that were, that were persecuted unto death. James was put to death by Herod Agrippa, James, and Judas, who he committed suicide. You guys know that, after he betrayed the Lord. These are the only two, the Lord. But let's talk about history, okay? Let's talk about history. Do you realize that when these men became disciples and then on to apostles, Simon Peter, okay, he ended up being crucified upside down. I don't know about you. I, come on, can we be honest in church? Can we be honest in church? I would love to sit here and go, if you're going to crucify me, crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified by the Lord. I would love to say that. Guess what? You know what I'm really saying? Please don't crucify me. Please don't kill me. I have rights. I want to be like Peter. I love my God so much that, okay, if this is how I'm going out. John, history says that John was boiled in oil. I don't know how that looks. I don't know what that means. I, I, I get this big cauldron pot and, and they keep putting oil and they keep lighting fires and John never dies. I don't even know if he gets burned. And they get so mad that they're like, oh, let's just exile him to the island of Patmos. And, and the whole world goes, oh, no. But Patmos was where he got his greatest revelation of Jesus. 
And then he died of a old, he died of old age. I mean, he just that was it. But Andrew says that they crucified him as well, upside down on an X-shaped cross. Philip was crucified. Check this out. Bartholomew says that he was skinned alive and beheaded. Welcome to church. You want to be his disciple? Mm-hmm. Thomas was impaled by a spear. That's not fun. James, the son of Elpheus, says it was stoned and clubbed to death. Simon, the Canaanite, was sawed or axed to death. I don't know which one it is. Either way, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> Thaddeus was basically sawed or axed to death, and there's a question mark. And then it says, the question mark, Matthew was actually burned to death. So you understand the cost of discipleship. Now you go, what did they do wrong? They were following their Messiah. They were saying to their neighbors, hey, your life can be better. Your life can be great. You can have peace. You can have joy. You can have, you can have these things. Are you willing? And look what happened to the disciples. The enemy goes, I need to stop this at all costs. Not much has changed today. Now, thank God that we're not being crucified. But do you realize that the persecuted church, they are being killed today for their faith in God? This is just my opinion. My opinion only, standing to the side of the pulpit, not the word of God. My opinion is I think we're headed that way here in America. So my job is to make sure that your foundation is so solid that, that you're ready to, 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 to handle the persecution. Because church, it won't be long, and it might not be long, that those brown doors swing open and they say, any of you who are followers of Jesus, come outside. If you want to deny him, you can go home to your families. But if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, we've got something for you. How many of us would go, okay, let's go. Let's go. That's my job. My job is so you go, man, I've got the foundation solid, the word of God. The word of God. This is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. Well, here I have good news for you. He's sending us out as well. You go, he is? Yeah. But my prayer is this. Joe, remember we talked about this? Joe, here's the thing. I pray that the Lord, that all of us would remain until the Lord comes back. But some of us in this room might endure persecution till till death. You might. You might. So with that as our intro, let's look at at the cost of discipleship, part two. You can put among wolves. Um, This is what we're going to talk about. But remember, Matthew 10, 16 to 25, Jesus himself reminds us he's going to face persecution. So too will his disciples. We talked about that. But right here... He warns them of their fate and assures them that the Spirit will give him appropriate words in times of trial. Now, contextually, from 16 to 23, it reads more future, so the Lord is actually directing this to us. Now, you know the term, follow me. We're going to follow me. Let's go. We're, we're disciples. Gather around the campfire. Here we go. Jesus gathers around. He looks at us. He says, hey, Jim. Hey, Rosa. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Gather around. Gather around. All right, Soph and Yvonne, gather. Here we go. We, we gather everybody, and here's what he says to us. You ready? Verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men. Why, Lord? For they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in they're synagogues. What? Your attention, please. Jesus tells us, I'm about to send you sheep out as among wolves. Among wolves. But we love to, we, we have to do some work here. This is, this is, this is just, this is just too much to, to, to grasp. You go, what do you mean? Well, first and foremost, if you're taking note, I love that Jesus warns us. He doesn't, he, he, he doesn't hide. He doesn't hold punches. He goes, hey, by the way, 
you're going to be persecuted. You're going to go out. There's, there's some wolves that, are, that want to tear you up. You know what a wolf does, right? I mean, they're, they're vicious. And wolves and sheep don't get along. We'll, we'll look at that in just a moment. But what I love in the Greek here is that the word, when he says, I, it's emphatic. You go, what does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus is the one sending. He goes, I'm sending you out because I am the fountain of the gospel. I'm sending you. It's not just you and I going, oh, well, let's see. I don't have anything better to do this week. How about we go out in amongst, amongst wolves and see what happens? The Lord says, I've got you. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. So every day you get in your job, you decide, I'm going to do this. He's sending you out among wolves. The first thing we have to grasp is that there's a world of wolves out there. And I really wish that we didn't, but we do. There's people who hate us because we're a follower of Jesus. And the closer you get to God, the closer you walk with Jesus, the more the world's going to hate you. Well, I don't want anybody to hate me. I want everybody to like me. That's not what's going to happen. That's not Christianity. Christianity is, well, they'll tolerate for you a little bit, but if you start getting radical, they will hate you. And you wonder, why are they hating me? What did I do? What did the disciples do? What I don't understand is when you look at Christianity overall, we make things better in society, in culture, in our city. We love people. We don't retaliate. We're not ugly. And yet they want to chop us down. Send us away. Put us in jail and kill us. And kill us. Whoa, seriously? Sheep and wolves, they don't get along. Okay, they're not playing at the park. Hey, look at this. They don't get along. Sheep, how many of you know this, are dumb? Okay, sheep are dumb. You realize that without a shepherd, they will die. You realize that sheep will eat the same grass until it eats dirt, until it eats the dirt so deep that it actually dies because it has no nourishment. That's a sheep. Sheep will follow anybody. They're running off a cliff. They're like, what's over there? Ah, That's us. We're sheep. I want you to think of our sports metaphor, right? Think Think of the sports, right? I was thinking about this, and think about our football story. How many football teams do you know are called the Lambs? That doesn't, that doesn't strike fear, does it? All right. So let's go. So one, two, three. Lambs on three. There's no way. Ooh, the Lambs are going to get us. The sheep. What are they going to do? Ah, us to death. What? That's us. I'd rather be a wolf. Or pirate, or whatever your high school team was, or whatever. Can you imagine? Here come the Red Raiders, and their opponents, the Lambs. Doesn't, it, it doesn't flow, does it? It doesn't strike fear. Why? But that's what Jesus tells us, that we are lambs. And I don't need to strike fear because I have exousia power. I have that in me. I'm walking close to the Lord. I'm walking close to the Lord. You realize that the cost of discipleship right now for you and I, listen to me, is that we're going to face persecution. Let me say this to you, and I know you're tired of hearing it because I'm tired of hearing it, but our world has changed. Our world has changed, and... um, Jesus is warning us. Here's what I love about Scripture. Everything that we're going through today, whether it's a mask or a vaccine or whatever, whatever we're going through the whole nine years, it, the Lord has already told us, if you'll study Revelation like we did, it's already there. I feel kind of silly. We've been here in Lubbock, Texas for 19 years. Will be 19 years. You go, wow. Up until the pandemic, I often wondered how this is going to go down. 
Like, I often would picture myself, I'd be at a tech game, a basketball game, and there'd be however many thousands of people, and I thought, wow, all of a sudden the Lord's going to call, and then, and then there'll be some people sitting in stands, and some people gone, and it'd just be weird. I mean, no, no warning at all, except that, that you have the church be, no, 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 God is so loving and so merciful that, look, this is, he's, he's warning us. Everything that's about to happen, everything is about to happen, I've already told you. We know that right after the rapture, sometime is going to be the tribulation. Three and a half years, the world's going to try to get back to normal. And the last three and a half years is the great tribulation. It's going to be seven years of all hell breaking loose on earth. But what I want to remind you of is that our persecution has intensified over these last several months. You realize that. Now, we are super blessed, Joe. We're super blessed that we live in a very conservative city, that we were only closed for eight weeks, still did lots of damage to the church. We were closed for eight weeks, but now we're, we're fully open. Fully, There's still some churches that haven't opened, and there's still some places that are struggling. I heard of a Calvary Chapel in California that opened up when they weren't supposed to. They were fined for millions in dollars. But what I've learned is they grew 500% during that time. Why? Because churches were closed and they were open and people want to go to church. They need fellowship. Listen, I understand that there's a sickness out there that really stinks. If you get COVID, it stinks. It's horrible. It's awful. It's like nothing we've ever faced before. It's not the flu. It's not a cold. It's just different. I get it. But God created us to be here. God created us to have fellowship. God created us to hug. I know. I know. He did. We miss that. We miss that. Radio by Grace, I was listening the other day, and there was another pastor from California, probably, probably teaching about the, right in, in, in the year 20, probably. And he said he finally, he finally opened up the church. He said, we were meeting outside. We finally opened up the church. And he said, I was walking through sanctuary, and a fellow comes up to me and says, Pastor, can I, can I shake your hand? This is when it was all going down, right? And the pastor, his, he goes, here's what I thought. Mm-mm. I don't know where your hand has been, you know. He said, but as a shepherd, he says, no, I'm not going to let you shake my hand. Come here. I'm going to give you a hug. And he hugged that brother like that. And just then he could feel wet on his shoulder. He's like, this brother's crying. And his brother comes back and he goes, you know what? I have been so lonely and so broken that if I didn't get a hug, I think today was going to be my last day on earth. I'm listening to the radio going, because God created us for this, guys. Now, with that being said, please be careful. I don't want to see you sick, but God created us for this. He created us to see facial expressions. He created us to see smiles. He created us to see icons. He just did. He just did. And so, so we gotta, we gotta do this. But the persecution we're about to face is one that's very different. And you go, what's that? Our own personal convictions have led us to become divided in the body of Christ with our brothers and sisters. From the very beginning, whether it was masks, and then it moved to vaccines, and moved to social distancing, it moves to food shortages. The body of Christ is being divided. And that's, you know, that's from the enemy. Well, where do you stand? Well, it's my own personal conviction. I love you. Well, where do you feel on this? I love you. That's what I know. That's what I know. I love you. I love you. 
the enemy is going to use this moving forward so that it's going to divide brother against sister, mother against daughter, father against son. You understand that? You understand that? We want to hold on to normal so bad, and what we have to realize is there is no normal anymore. There is no normal. There is no normal. And I have to be honest with you, and I have to warn you even more. You go, what do you mean? It's not going to get better. I think it's going to get worse. I think it's going to get worse. We need a purpose in our hearts, church, not to let things divide us. Respect each other for whatever they believe. Respect them and still be brothers and sisters. Respect them. Love on them. What's the worst man can do to me? Kill the body. We're going to say that next week. What's the worst thing he can do? Kill the body. Beware of the one who wants to divide us. Think about this. Let me give you just a little. Let me let me kind of give you a, a little. I was I was reading the book of Daniel the other day, and you guys you guys know the story. If you studied Daniel, Daniel Nebuchadnezzar uh, has a dream. You guys remember that? And he has this giant statue. He doesn't know what the dream is. He's looking at it, and it's gold, and he's just freaking out. So he calls all his magicians and all of his stuff, and he says, "Hey, tell me the dream." And they're like, "Well." Well, sir, <laughs> you tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. He goes, no, no, no. I want you to tell me the dream and interpret it or else you're all going to die. Well, Daniel sums up, and I'm making a long story short. Daniel comes up and he says, yeah, the, the, the statue, it's you. You're, you're the head and then you got silver and, right? and you got bronze and then you got iron mixed with clay. You guys understand the statue, right? The legs is iron and clay. That's their four major Roman gov- or four major governments. Okay? You had the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, and you had Greece, and then you had Rome. When Jesus comes in, you had Rome. Rome was real authority. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to picture. Rome was one leg, and it never really got conquered. It sort of just fizzled out. The other leg represents the revived Roman Empire that you and I are going to see which is going to bring persecution, division. I started thinking about that. I was like, yeah. So Jesus says, I'm going to send you out like sheep among wolves. I'm going to send you out, guys. I'm going to send you out. Do you remember what, do you remember what the disciples were saying when Jesus was there? They were wanting him to... to, to Push Rome down to, to conquer Rome, to set up his kingdom. And the Lord's like, That's, the kingdom is not of this world. It's, it's in heaven. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine a government that wants to try to tell us what to do and try to live our lives for us. Do you? Yeah, I, don't, I don't think we're there yet. Jesus tells us this, guys. Beware of men. Here's your warning. They're going to deliver you up. They're going to deliver you up. Look at verse 18. He says, you're going to be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the who? To the Gentiles. Wait a minute. Eva, do you remember last week? He said, don't go to the Gentiles. He says, stay for the lost house of... So this must mean it's for us. That's for, okay, so what's he going to say? He says, don't be upset. Don't be upset when they haul you before civil authorities. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Without knowing it, they've done you and me a favor. How? They've given you a platform for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. What? Let me give you a side note. Let me give you a side note, and then we'll jump on this. Warren Wiersbe believes that these verses pertain to the tribulation period. This is Warren Wiersbe, okay? However, we know that the tribulation is just right around the corner. I trust, I trust you know the term build back better 
is a concept of the tribulation period. Do you understand that? There is no build back better. In order to build back better, you have to kill what you have. And the World Economic Forum, if you'll go on their website, the target date for all of this to go down is 2030. 2030. Okay? I don't recommend you do this, but I went to, I went to the framework of the Build Back Better, and there's so much, I can't even begin to tell you what's in there. I can't even begin. I was like, okay, maybe I'll share. Well, I can't. Because it's this, and this, and this, and this. Here's what I do know. Let me tell you what I do know. We're headed for some troublesome times. And I always say this, we'll come to church, right? Because we don't want to come to church if it's going to be so bummer. I don't want to walk out of here Sunday going, but I got to tell you the truth. I've got to tell you the truth, right? Because as a disciple of Jesus, you and I might be called into our boss's office and given a choice. You guys know what I'm talking about. And it really, really, really chaps me that our frontline workers, the nurses, the doctors, our first responders a year ago that were hitting these things head on are now being fired. That chaps me. And they're being come in. I mean, it's it's unconstitutional. But I know Jesus reminded us, okay, you're gonna be given a platform for the gospel. For the gospel. That's your platform. Pastor Ben, I can't afford to lose my job. I can't afford to. You know what? Is God God or not? And if he puts you in that position, trust the Lord and he'll see you through. He'll see you through. This is the world we live in. This doesn't make any sense to me unless we're super close to the return of the Lord. Unless we're super close. Pastor Ben, I've got a question. Is the vaccine the mark? No, the vaccine's not the mark. Okay? But what it is, is it's, the, it's the attitude and the structure behind the vaccine and the mandates that is going to usher people to get the mark. Am I making any sense? Because I think, I think when we train, when, even when you train a puppy, what do you have to do? You have to continually train it to get it to do what you want it to do. You don't just do it one time. It's constantly, constantly, constantly. Oh, so what do you do? Well, if I was going to train my puppy, I'd give it a lot of treats. Here you go, jump. Here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go, till it realizes, oh, wait a minute. If I do this, I get a treat. Well, there's a lot of incentives and a lot of, do you think the enemy, do you think the enemy of our soul wants huge opposition? Or do you think he wants smooth sailing? He just puts it out there. He causes both great and small. Boom. People just run to it because they feel like it, that's the Savior. We have to be out of here. We have to be out of here. Because there's a lot of people that goes, mm-mm, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Remember what I said whether it comes to a mask, a vaccine, a social distance, be careful with food. Be careful with food. We're Christians. That being said, I think you need to be wise. I think you need to be wise. So don't go to Costco and take all the toilet paper, okay? Don't go do that. But be wise, okay? If it's not for me, then I need to have some for others. If it's not for me, then I want to I make sure that my neighborhood. Know your neighborhood. Know your neighbors. Who's the elderly in your neighborhood? And be watch out for that. Okay, okay, I got them. Because if it goes down, they're not going to be able to go. You, you guys understand. <laughs> okay, okay. So this happened to the apostles. And I bet it could happen to us. 
I mean, think about this. Think about this story from Acts chapter 12. Listen to this. You could read it up there. It says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute the believers in the church. Hello. And he had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much it pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But I want to point out to you what's going on. It says that as this king, as this government, as this civil authority began to persecute believers, the world went, yay! And when the world went, yay! Whoa, whoa, hey, oh, you, you, hey. And, and you see where that's going? You see where it's going? Okay, okay, good. Verse 19. But when they deliver you up, he says, don't worry on how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks for you. Can I get an amen? amen. Remember the context. Remember the context, okay? This is, uh, this is all about 11 men running down the field wanting to kill me. And the Lord says, when that happens, he says, don't worry about how you should speak or what you should say. The Holy Spirit is going to speak through you. And I think that's so encouraging. But one of the things I need to be reminded is I have to stay close to the Lord because if the Holy Spirit is going to speak through me, I want to be close to God so I know I'm speaking for him. Come in my office. I have something you got to tell you. You know your 80, 90, 100,000-year job? Listen, if you don't do this, well, listen, I've got to tell you. Mr. Boss, Mrs. Boss, Mrs. Supervisor, Mr. Supervisor, day is coming. And I want to tell you, this world is not all that it's cracked up to be. And there's a place in heaven. And he's going to tell us what we need to say. So you all don't need to go home and go, okay, if I, get, if I get persecuted, what should I say? I'd say, okay, let me, okay. So do you remember my grandbaby? Right here. Just stay close to God. Just stay close to God. Okay. I, okay, well, where are you going? I'm right here. I'm right here. Why? Because we have a tendency, do we not? Wow. Next thing we know, we're, we're, where's mom and dad? Where, where, where'd they go? And, and, and we get distracted. But, the, uh, but, but what I'm telling you right now is that, is that we're... We... Here's the point. Tune in with God in these last days. Stay tuned. Stay tuned in. Okay? Don't change the dial. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. But let me do this. Let me tell you what it's not saying. Because people will take a verse out of context, and I've heard pastors that say, I'm going to walk up to the pulpit each Sunday, and I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit speak through me. And so they come up here unprepared using this verse. That's not what the verse is saying. That's not what the verse is saying. So we come up and go, hey, Lord didn't speak to me. Let's pray. We're all going to just sing and pray. That's what we're going to do this morning. May the Lord bless you. Guys, we come prepared. We come prepared to teach the word of God. And do you realize, Soph, do you realize that we're going to have a greater account for preaching the word in front of people? The Lord's like, okay, so what'd you preach? Lord, I'm just preaching. I got to preach the truth. But Ben, you told them to be warned. I know. You told them the persecution was coming. I know. That's what your word said. And then, and then what happens, Lord? Well, look at verse 21. He says, now brother will deliver up brother to death. And a father, his child, and the children will rise against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my namesake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Will be saved. Now, here's what you need to note. Verse 22 has nothing to do with salvation from sin. You're already saved. You understand that. You go, okay, what does it mean? It's talking about the faithful endurance of you and I during a time of persecution. You're going to be saved. You're going to know. You're going to know. 
So what does he say? Well, I love the fact that he says this. Check it out, verse 22. And you will be hated, okay, by all for my namesake. But he who endures, do you see that word endures? It's actually the word stand firm. It's the Greek word hupomoneo, hupomoneo. And it means to endure patiently rather than fight back. Rather than fight back to the end does not specify a particular time, but rather it says endure without breaking down. Just go. I don't know what the world holds for us, guys. Some believers might endure to the end of losing their lives. I don't know. But I do know this. We're, we're headed to a world where a brother will deliver a brother to death and a father to his child. We see that today in different religions, do we not? You realize that when somebody converts to Christianity that they are in danger of death. Not in America, but in other religions. Do you realize that when I got saved, I couldn't tell, I didn't feel like I could tell my family because I thought they're going to disown me. Because we don't do this. But I knew what God had called me to do. And I knew that it was one of those. But there are some cases that people will. Jesus says, when they persecute you in the city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will have not gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, here's the thing. You go, Ben, I have a question. Is this for us, verse 23? Or is it in the tribulation? Well, I tend to believe that we are the ones being sent out in the world, okay, into the world of wolves. But one of the reasons that it's in the tribulation, right? I, I don't think that this is the tribulation. And I'll tell you why. Because we know that in the book of Revelation that angels are going to fly out in the middle of, of the world and, and proclaim the gospel, not to mention the 144,000. So again, I think, hmm. But I don't think verse 23 really applies to us today. And you go, why? Well, let me give you five plausible options. You go, what's that? Well, it could mean that Jesus is coming to his disciples upon the return of a particular mission. We saw that he did that in verse 6 through 15. He says, okay, so go through, go through, go through. Like, like you understand when you're saying something and then you change direction and then you come back to what you were saying before? That could be, it could be, okay, so, oh, by the way, go back to verse 15 when, that could be that. It could be that. We don't live in Israel, so I know he doesn't really apply to us if we go throughout all of this. But it could be, it could be number two, it could be Jesus' resurrection, right? Um, out through gone, basically, when they persecute you in this city, go to another. Assuredly, I say to you, you will have gone, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Could be his resurrection. We don't know. I'm just giving you plausibles. It could be the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. It could be the destruction of Israel in 70 AD, or it really could be the second coming of Jesus at the end of the age. I love what Pastor Chuck says, because that's where I stand. He would often say, what does that verse mean? And he goes, waiting for further information. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. I'll wait for further information. I don't have it right now, but maybe, maybe this is just specifically for the twelve. So as we close, this is the cost of discipleship, okay? We're moving you from attenders, we're moving you from just church attendance to where? To disciples. You're a disciple, Adam. You're, you look like a disciple with the beard and everything. That's really cool. You look. If we dressed him up, in, anyways. So here's what he's saying. Calvary Chapel, Lubbock, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. That's what he's telling us. 
That's what he's telling us. John 15, 20, jot this down. Jesus says, remember the word that I say to you. A servant is not greater than his master. Here's what he said. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So my question is, why did Jesus warn us? Why did he warn us? Let me give you two reasons. He warns us today for this reason. Naming the fear is the first step to being freed from it. Amen? We know what's going to go down. So you walk out there and you go, oh, I'm being persecuted. You go, okay, I'm not afraid of it because I knew this was coming. Jesus warned us. Yeah, yeah. Hey, can I see you in my office? Let's go, Jesus. Amen. Let's go. Let's go. The second reason. Jesus warned us is the assurance of the reward that awaits the person who endures. The reward. Hey, endure to the end. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Pastor Ben, you just told us, you just told us that we're, we're about to catch the football and have 11 guys try to kill us. And you're saying it's going to be good? I think it's going to be the church's finest hour. I think it's going to be great. Your lives, your giftings, are going to see an explosion of people come to see Jesus, come to know him. I believe it. In the midst of persecution, many are going to go, I want what you have. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. What are our takeaways? Number one, Jesus calls us from Christian to disciples to missionaries. Behold, I send you out. That's us. What should I do? Go to your neighbors? Go to your friends? Go into Lubbock? Go into Texas? the United States and the world. Whatever God sends us, let's go. Number two, he reminds us of the cost. Look at me, church. It may cost you your life. Number three, he promises to walk with us and be with us when this great persecution begins, which I believe it already has. Number four, be wise. Be wise as serpent. You know where you know why you don't see very many serpents or snakes? Because they're wise. They don't just come out and be like, hey, look at me. They hide and they coil up and they know, but they're also gentle as doves. Not the serpents, us. I've never seen a gentle serpent. Welcome to church. It's the cost of discipleship, guys. It's going to happen. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word today and your warning and your great love for us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that I had delivered your word, God, I praise you, Lord. Father, I pray for every one of us, Lord, that have heard the message and are receiving it, processing it right now, Lord, wondering, okay, okay, I've been warned. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to take on this. I've got exousia power. Let's go, Lord. Let's go. My family, they mean the world to me. I need to tell them about Jesus. My friends, I want to, I want to share the good news. My co-workers, they need to see God. We're running out of time. Use me, Lord. Use me. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.